Hello, I'm Anaga with my friends Alankrita and Apana and we are the Sawthams. Through this podcast, we want to bring our curious and sometimes bizarre conversations from our intimate roundtables and WhatsApp groups out here to you. We're so glad you're here for the ride. Let's get curious. So essentially museums are like a way of documenting our past right so in that sense i think museums were there from like the beginning of history since like the rock temple like rock carvings and stuff like that because that is essentially recording your past and recording what i happened. don't think museums are just for recording history they're just for recording human culture in general i think no 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 like like what i meant is like the idea of like having a space or like some sort of room where you keep like stuff or artifacts from your life but it was not of any use as yeah. such like it was just like a memory or like something that you happened in your life or you're just like speculating something so that sort of idea started from the rock carvings but like the museum typology as we know it today i think I it's like the the habit of storing stuff in a place to go yeah, back to essentially that yeah started from so that, but yeah. like the museum as a typology that we know today i think it started most like the first one it says that it started in egypt so so they basically had like this structure that contained like an enormous library and like some works of art and their scientific artifacts and stuff but then like the phase in history where museums became like a really big thing was during the renaissance so like even in philosophy and stuff you see that after the black plague sort of happened people started realizing that maybe what they were doing in life right now is like they're going the wrong direction we should look at the past basically the meaning of the word renaissance so that's why they started having museums a lot more so uh, i think initially uh, museums started out to be like personal uh cabinets of curiosity where someone was like it was like his little collectible um place but then they started realizing that what they were collecting was so valuable and it shouldn't be just with one person and they wanted to donate it for public understanding and education so i think in 1683 uh an english antiquary uh elias ashmole donated the contents of his wonder room to the oxford university and basically that formed the basis of the ashmolean museum that now exists even today so then these individuals started donating whatever they had connect- collected to bigger institutions so that they could be uh, in display for the public yeah and i think this public thing became like a huge thing after the french revolution so so i read somewhere that after the french revolution it sort of became like you have to open out to larger individuals it became about the public and became about the masses like till then it was like even in egypt or the renaissance you see it was about like the elite and it was about like these monarchs having their own galleries but then after the french revolution that's when the louvre was opened in paris so like that is one of the first public libraries to be opened in the world public museums and uh, yeah sorry public museums to be open in the world and uh, and then in the ni- but then most of these museums at that time in the 19th century like when because we were discussing architecture they were aesthetically mostly like reflecting of like classical architecture like they were usually like a reflection of the greek temples or like some sort of like gothic temples no i mean it was like the architecture itself was like a memorial to the time it was rep- like even though it was not built in that time if they were you know housing art from the greek era then that that revival style was automatically 
sort of mimicked in the architecture right so like the structure itself yeah. was a museum of sorts other than what it was housing then after that you start seeing mostly like how in the 20th century you start seeing like modern architecture and like how you said how like the building was in a representation of what the architecture was you start seeing now again the building sort of become more abstract like how the art also moved from like these classical paintings to more abstract sort of art so then you see like the guggenheim by frank lloyd right in new york where he did that spiral thing so it's basically for those of you who don't know it's like a helical structure where you have this ramp and you just follow the ramp and then you basically the structure was made such that you don't miss a single exhibit in the museum yeah as you traverse through the museum the museum is also like an exhibit as well as and i think that was um i mean just like coming specifically to architecture i think that was something that architects started adopting more and more as they were creating museums was that the museum itself was also a spectacle forget everything else that was supposed to be put inside but then like even if you look at the guggenheim in bilbao it's a like remarkable structure itself on its own and then you go in to see other exhibits inside so yeah and then when like like you said about the structure like when you look at like lepskin's jewish memorial so there is actually no exhibit other than what the museum always it's not like it changes the art or anything it's always the, it's always about the jewish it's all, it's about the holocaust and it's always the memorial structure so uh, she was talking about the jewish museum in berlin by uh, designed by architect daniel lepskin if some of you missed that yeah but then again like it was almost like built in the style of a museum but like when you look at like peter einsman's that grave basically that holocaust memorial that he did you guys so it's basically just uh like an entire field of just yeah. these tombs like these con- these concrete blocks that yeah. look like the series of tombs in different heights so i mean it's it's a memorial but is it a museum no, but that was not that was an installation it was never a museum No it's not an installation it's a memorial I mean yeah but the, like I, I, going by the typology not by the nomenclature like but then it's holding it's holding history it's holding some story. Yeah of course even statues so like, what is do the difference that. between like a museum and a memorial they're not you can't compare them they're not they're not the same thing I mean like I would like to think that we don't have to define museum to a single building or a single architecture like if i have to think about the city of rome i would think it's a museum on its own yeah yeah so maybe we don't have to have an enclosed space where we have artifacts within that to, for it to be um, classified as a museum maybe yeah, that maybe that was a traditional yeah. definition of a museum and i think now more in, so where my most of my research went on this topic was about the relevance of museums that is today and of course like forget the pandemic but even before they've constantly been questioning whether museums should go digital and uh, how would that change the experience of someone who's being there and personally i feel i've been in a fair few museums and i don't think anything online can compare to being within a space and experiencing art face to face or anything about history face to face so i don't know how we would be able to eliminate that uh entire personal touch yeah personal touch and then have it like over some website or something like that even though like that's what they were trying to do through the pandemic and like the louvre opened up online and like because obviously they need 
to gain money somehow but then is that how you want to experience a museum in the first place like just out of practicality that would work if you're like if you're exhibiting stills maybe like but then if you take the example of the holocaust memorial or the jewish memorial only like it solely depends on the experience of the space like yeah. there is no way you could take that exactly. experience online because that the the uh, jewish memorial depends on the light quality on the on the expanse of the space or how the how one navigates through those spaces so then it's not solely about the exhibits that it houses but the structure itself yeah. but i think even if it was to be stills like even if we're talking about just still images i don't think that would work either because if you ask a true art yeah. aficionado he would just be like what's the point of seeing a painting and you won't understand any of the strokes properly through a screen and like uh, rather than yeah, assuming art like art is like scrolling through instagram yeah exactly but no but then that's because we're still looking at like maybe like technology isn't there yet where everybody can afford to have look VR. use like a like 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 yeah vr so if you have vr then you're literally in that space right that is the idea of vr and so if we can res- like if the design sort of responds to that then i don't see why not maybe like today with our laptop just going to a website and just it like scrolling on silly, it yeah maybe that isn't that seems quite silly but then like maybe in the future there is a possibility that then like in that sense we don't need a lot of structures in the world but the, exactly that eliminates the need for a structure not would we all. need anything else like travel or anything wouldn't exist either yeah yeah i mean because i think i was seeing so i follow uh, the spain tourism page on instagram and they were like doing tours of like casa badlo and stuff like that and i'm just like who is going to this stuff and they're paying like 11 euros or something like that to go to this online tour which is basically an audio guide with some picture moving video <laughs> thing i was like that's so silly like a walk yeah. through of the space yeah. but with why an would audio you do guide? that you can just go and search for videos on youtube you'll probably find that anyways or yeah. zero euros <laughs> <laughs> or you can just use like google earth and just walk yeah. the street but like what are we talking about <laughs> about moving <laughs> she was talking about how museums yeah i know so i was just basically looking uh, at if you have to understand what the need of museums is like it kind of like most of these articles boil down to like four to five things one is like preservation of the past one is like it's a public space and you're educating the present generation of everything that happened before and one strongly believes that you're keeping culture alive and i just had a question about how much do we preserve for preservation sake how many things are we storing how many buildings are we restoring no so the thing is like this idea of preservation as itself like like conservation itself is a very like modern idea like in terms of architecture like people didn't like the greek or like like when the like when the gothic era come came they didn't think yeah we should preserve like greek temples like they weren't really concerned by it but like for since like modern architecture has come they've always looked back and said we need to conserve the past so maybe there is essentially like either we're going somewhere in the wrong direction or we're going too fast forward that we're not able to keep up so we want to hold on to the past and i think it's the we're going too fast forward even with like technology but like coming back to museums and like its relevance today so the interesting thing is that since like the louvre the museum basically went from like an institutional structure 
to like a com- like an economic or right. like a commercial enterprise so like now museums are no longer owned by like it's no longer like public property essentially it's like the guggenheim is a private enterprise so what does that mean and like how does that sort of change like modern art and the way modern art is exhibited like so now if you have to like exhibit something in the guggenheim you already need to have like some sort of connections or you need to know like someone or some, like you need to be established enough to be there or to be able to exhibit there and it's already like a world of money so like then like what is the quality of art like what sort of art do these museums like what, what have we lost yeah. in that process yeah i feel like the origins of this is like with the with the whole the british elite and the lord ships so like they always had that funding uh, of art and they would fund uh non-profits as part of their trust and uh what happens with those is like the the person who funds the most ultimately has a say on what goes on display so then already you're filtering out uh things that need to be on display according to your uh what suits your history and which is what has also happened now with the incomplete representation of the colonial era is because the people who own those museums or who fund those museums the most are the ones on the wrong side of the or on the dark side I mean I would like to give an era. example of something that's happening in our own city so I'm not sure if you guys know um architect uh, Sumitra Ghosh uh, was commissioned to currently designing and is in construction the Museum of Art and Photography which is near the Brit- British Library Initially that site was not where the building was supposed to be built they were supposed to scrap that uh, the Venkatappa art gallery and they were supposed to build map over there but a lot of art enthusiasts and activists believe that Venkatappa art gallery allows for small uh, artists to display for very very minimal costs and taking away a space like that and putting like this very sanitized museum is taking away from local artists who this is their only place where they have to pay 100 or 200 rupees to put up their exhibition and they won't be able to afford map and so they fought a case and then they were relocated so that venkata park gallery could maintain its no but then see now this is again because they held on to some past this essentially like in a way that something new that's coming is not catering to the entire audience this is exactly what it means so like if if the if the new proposal was like a modern museum with all the new facilities yeah. that would cater to the entire public then nobody would have opposed it the reason that we want to hold on to the venkata park gallery is because like the new one that's coming is only for the elite yeah so that's basically because it's been pub- like it's privately funded because it's like a commercial enterprise the yeah. minute like a museum displays an artwork they have to market it and they have yeah. to say something good about it like like it there's there's no there's no like idea of critical thinking of the art that's been in display anymore because they're all they're going to show you only the good because they want people to come and they want people to come like buy stuff at the museum gift shop or whatever and they want to increase revenue so they're not going to tell you that this work of art is shit or this work of art is having something critically wrong so there's like you completely lose the idea of criticizing something that's in a museum or like some sort of I don't think the museum takes the position of criticizing the art at all it's just taking the position of housing it no like no no the museum is not taking the position the curators do like the curator essentially decides like so like there's this talk by uh, at the A school of architecture where this woman who basically her name is Paolo oh wait i'll just tell you her name 
Yeah, so Paolo Antonelli. So she basically is the curator at MoMA. So MoMA is the Museum of Modern Arts in New York. And so she talks about, she spoke, basically went through her entire like career and like basically her job and what, like what a curator does. And so you start, when she talks about it, you start to realize that how, how important the curation of museums are because if a museum, so she basically says that they decide what sort of art is put out and what sort of art becomes popular. So the museums are essentially a catalyst for an entire like audience of conversations and like it builds the entire, fo- it's basically the forefront of discourse. So if a museum decides to put out only art that they believe in, or basically it's that elite thing that you just spoke about where it's one side of the history. So like, but when you had like government funded museums or like museums which are a low budget, like more people could just come out and put stuff on their own. But now you can no longer do right. that. So then that curation. Like Venkata Park yeah. Gallery. So like now curation becomes so important and curation is all privately funded. So then what is our art at display? Our, like, does that art have any relevance, like actual relevance anymore? Or is it the museum just setting the art telling you that it's relevant? Yeah, I mean, in the capitalistic world that we live in today, I mean... Museums, not only do they sell the art that is within it, but they sell themselves also as a tourism attraction in whichever city they are. So their only goal is to make sure that they are able to get this set number of footfall every day. Yeah, they just not even footfall. They just have to ensure that that many tickets are sold. Yeah. That's about it. So another quite interesting thing I was looking at is about obviously museums have to redefine themselves in a situation of a pandemic and what they stand for. And I wasn't expecting to, like, I was expecting like social distancing, yada, yada. But I wasn't, what I wasn't expecting is museums are collecting little things from like drawings from like kids' books saying that I never, I couldn't, I can't go out anymore and this and that. And they're collecting it to preserve so that in the future they can show the world that we went through this, so it's like little uh, letters or yeah. clips from small, like a four-year, yeah, like a four-year-old kid who maybe mm. would have been on her refrigerator uh, in the house is now collected by a museum that can be displayed in the future to show the world that this is like a once-in-a-lifetime scenario, which <laughs> I never even thought that that's what they would be thinking. I of. mean, like, see, in one way, it's really cool that we'll get to see all these small, small things, but it's also scary that that's the level of capitalization that they've gone into exactly that's what i will take a four-year-old sketch four-year-olds like random sketch put it in a museum and and, like charge people to look at it yeah it's like basically like going to anne frank's house and seeing her struggle but this is like a kid sitting at home who couldn't go out in the pandemic because of like coronavirus and then now they're displaying it and what i read like it was curators just saying that we at museums are constantly finding things that we have to populate our museums with. And so I think that it's like, what is really strange to me in this is that like what our era is reduced to in terms of being preserved. Like every era had its own big thing to preserve. I mean, I think you're saying that because we're going through this now. It's not a big thing, okay? I mean, it is a big thing, but... No, it's not about, not about the pandemic about like the like there were glory days and stuff like that that were being like there was a golden era and then there was the like the peak of art and then there was no but then in every way like our art has become about the everyday life in general also like why does our pot like why does the idea of podcasts even work because it's like our podcast works because like 
it's just about having a conversation and this would have never been a, like nobody would have thought this is like a normal thing to do like or even a, 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 or something that is great or something there's like what they're just talking things that everyone talks <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> something yeah, like or that or like or like even like when people do- like those like Like, so many, like when you went to Kochi, like, yeah, when you went to the Binale also, again, like, they were just talking about, like, like, some of these exhibits were just, like, some daily objects, like, or even just, like, Not daily experiences. Not only that, experiences. but all art is like that, right? Like, even now, like, the whole idea of daily vlogging on YouTube, like, yeah. why do we watch it? Because we why just want to see it? someone's life because we're curious about it. Not you like want a slice like, of that cake, like, just yeah, to exactly. see, like, like half an hour of their day. I have spent hours together watching, like... Zoe and Alfie clean their house. Okay, <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? But that's just the art today, right? Like, but we're really like we maybe glorify our daily lives. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, in a sense, the internet is a museum in itself. Like, it has yeah. so many things. Like, maybe two years from now, when we look back on our episode, like on our initial episodes, like. Again, you go. You're, you're like you're essentially time traveling with the internet. Yeah, no, you just have like an archive of everything that yeah. you ever created. Yeah, just that everyone can see. <laughs> Etched in stone. There's no going back once it's out there. Also, yeah, I mean it's essentially very scary. Actually, it yeah. is. It's very like, scary. What I said is just there permanently in record forever in literally yeah. every platform. <laughs> Yeah, we will add so, you up. Why do you think people still keep holding like celebrities to tweets that they tweeted like seventeen yeah. years ago? Like, yeah, dude, they were different people then. <laughs> yeah, no, but then that's why yeah. that that's why like they're getting in like stories like literally in every platform, right? Because they want to hold on to the temporary, like because it's becoming too real to have everything in permanent record. That's, that's why, like, very Twitter true. Got their stories back, like not yeah. back, they got stories, and like WhatsApp yeah. got stories because like. You can just put something for twenty four hours and then just and not be committed again. to it for them for that to yeah, be yeah and like better. pretend like pretend like I wasn't I, it wasn't a, a drunk video <laughs> at three a.m. Yeah. the no, next but then, day but then so this is in social media but when a museum does yeah, it yeah, does yeah, it yeah yeah and they exhibit it like that's like a whole another level like that's too yeah. permanent so for me to like read that museums are actually cashing out on this pandemic now already <laughs> like even before we're even halfway through it probably they're just like bro collect all of the stories we need to keep it like in store yeah yeah have you like have you guys watched that episode of Venus and Ferb where they time travel and like they have like a tablet of a fossil and every time something changes in that So when they time travel, they basically go back to the prehistoric time with dinosaurs, okay, and that they found that they find that time machine. So then in in that in that episode, what happens is they find a broken time machine, and Phineas and Ferb fix that, and they'll be in like a prehistoric museum at the time. So <clears throat> there'll be an exhibit oh, of one uh, second. Is this the fossil? Da da da. Episode, <laughs> please. <laughs> is it that episode? I think so. I think so. The dad Wait. just keeps saying fossil. <laughs> Let me tell my story. So then there'll be one ta- like a fossilized uh, uh, paw print. I don't know if it's a paw, but like a footmark of a dinosaur. Okay. So then when they time travel with Candice, and Candice's face comes like a skid mark on that paw print, <laughs> and it changes in the tablet in the museum. And when someone wipes it off, when like Phineas or Ferb wipes it off in real time, in history it gets wiped off over here, and it says 
and she writes in a heart c plus j for candles plus <laughs> jeremy and it comes on the fossil <laughs> like, the idea of permanence is so again relative because once like if you go back and change it in history then it like reflects in real no time. but then but then this these people actually went back in history and changed it but that's what like people are doing with narratives no they're just telling you one side yeah 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 exactly this was like, a very literal sense Yeah. yeah but that's all our history classes only you know as if the that's british learn about how they colonize the whole world <laughs> no do i still can't i still can't accept that they don't know anything about it <laughs> they did this thing that it was some like like exactly like how so what is the museum show the, like when they go to a museum what i will do? tell you i will tell you yeah, so i, I have the british museum i uh, visited tour. i visited the uh, the crown the crown jewels in the tower of london okay mm. it's just it's filthy riches okay like you Power. name that stone you Power name riches. that precious stone it exists and larger than you could ever imagine <laughs> <laughs> so like it's all kinds of like and the worst part is like there's So then there's a picture of the original Kohinoor okay mm. and then you see it all broken down to pieces and it's written there also that the queen mother broke down the the largest diamond ever to make like a string of diamonds no but like where did they so in the in the like the briefing that this all these exhibits have Nothing, what do they write do they write like they dug and we found it like no. if they never talk about the colonial past then how did we got it from india see or? it's not that they don't talk about the colony it exists in history that colonies existed they not talk that about they like they say the, the colonies world. yeah exactly it's they not like talk they don't talk about how they brought slavery and all <laughs> they it talks talk about, about like stuff. it talks about trade relations trading uh. humans <laughs> <laughs> it just talks about like the colonization as a like as a very innocent uh, like just having like a kingdom like a small people <laughs> ruling where they like where it was like a quid pro quo like they make money and we get uh, development in quotes like that <laughs> it's very like sweet innocently put it's just like we taught the world english chill yeah yeah we, we built we built trains so cute <laughs> i mean like if we have to credit them for anything that's probably the only thing that we <laughs> credit them in the <laughs> yeah. country and nobody built another track like there you know there are no new rail uh, uh, yeah, ro- routes built post independence like what the british built are all that exists. expected <laughs> <laughs> okay we are digressing <laughs> yeah Well, another thing that I want to talk about was like museums is like a public space. Like, yeah. Like I wanted to look at like so you guys have been to a lot of museums abroad and stuff. So I wanted to see like how that interface works. Like how is it like different? Is there a difference? How does that? I'll be very like, honest with you. Museums abroad are not public spaces. At least no, they're not. The ones they're that are. Public. because no, that's that's, they're so expensive to get into maybe yeah. the plaza around it is a public yeah, space like exactly. people chill around the louvre but they don't chill inside the louvre like the like the, the terrace of the louvre with the ipis glass yeah. pyramid that's a public space you don't need a ticket to use that no nah. so then but like there is a mall on the basement like mall like a shopping complex of sorts with the inverted shop. glass pyramid okay but it's not uh, gift over, shop over achieving gift shop it's not gift shop it has an app like it's that concept only no it's to yeah. have like sales like, in the museum it's more like like how you do duty free shopping no it's like that kind of concept <laughs> yeah but that's not a public space where you would assume that people would come to shop but that's not open to public 
for that you need to enter the louvre and then on your way out you would visit that yeah so i mean like even in the guggenheim uh, at the guggenheim in bilbao the entire plaza that's around is open to public but then yeah you have to pay like 20 euros to get inside the mu- museum why would anyone do that like the natural history museum yeah. in london also has a really nice garden up front where people like on a sunny day people come and have picnics and all and there'll be a lot mm. of people in the in the uh, park part of it but like literally one tenth the people inside i would think like better museums abroad would be i mean if we're just thinking about architecture itself being the museum i would think like cathedrals and stuff are far better museums than Mm. museums museums because as like far you can as enter preserving history goes for free. Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah no but then it's not just abroad i remember when we went to ngma in bangalore and we did our case study when we were in college remember when we went and we spoke to those guys the, the people who came there regularly came there for the cafe for like, the cafe like literally like there were 10 of them and nine of them said we've never seen the exhibits inside yeah, yeah exactly i mean that says a yeah. lot about the curation also but it also says like a lot about like in general it was they just come there to chill in the cafe and it was not that the cafe it, was like some exceptional cafe it's just, it just that it has a really silent sandwiches. place in in yeah. yeah it's a silent place in a crowded city so then yeah, like get that. like to give context the like ngma is a national gallery of modern arts on on palace road in vasanagar it's uh like it's in the heart of the city and in quite a, a dense locality but then just the way that the really old mansion is located and it has like a public library and a and a bookstore and a small cafeteria that's part of the museum but then most of the uh, office crowd that uh, uh, work around uh, the national gallery of modern arts come in to catch a quick tea break or to have like a like an out of uh, office meeting and stuff in that cafeteria just because of how serene it is in spite of being in yeah it's, it's actually really beautiful dense area like, yeah. yeah i mean like the i mean i wouldn't over. comment on what's happening inside but then the yeah. outside is really really yeah the outside good. is really beautiful yeah, nice. yeah so then it's i think fun. i think a lot of museums do offer that um the outsides like that you usually see in most museums like anywhere in the world the outsides are always like populated with a lot of people it could be only tourists or not so and even in the in the vatican the like yeah, even though the, the st peter's square in the st peter's square is a really popular like a like a gathering space yeah and for locals just, as well yeah so i mean i guess i wouldn't go i mean even though initially museums were created to house public space I don't think museums today because we live in this capitalistic world I don't think they are public spaces because you can't just enter in like that No but then but then again like in India like the chart like more, we don't like other than these modern like the very few modern museums most of our other museums are like rail museums or science museums and stuff like that and the entry is very nominal it's just like it's most of the places yeah. like 10 rupees 20 rupees not more than that yeah. and so you actually see a lot of people inside but the thing is because it's these sort of rail museums or like like some of them have these botany museums and stuff if the exhibits are not really that exciting it's mostly like when you're in school they take you or unless unless like you're like in that field and you like are passionate about that subject like if you're in love with trains or something then maybe like going to a rail museum is fun but for but like, i still like really me, love the science museum in bangalore bangalore yeah the vishveshwara museum, museum no it's really good yeah yeah it's really, really so, fun like, I, i love that like, stacking it, ball yeah yeah but <laughs> 
reminds me of it reminds me of Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like, yeah, but we should go there. So like even when when I was in Chennai, like I went to a lot of museums because the reason that I went to the museums was because most of these museums were all these colonial structures. So like you can I basically didn't go there for the exhibits or anything, but mostly for like the architecture because they were all really pretty buildings and like most of them had like a library attached to it. So these were like I think two main attractions. So I think in some ways like our curation or curation is just not that interesting. Like even if it's not that expensive like it's just not like like in terms even even in MGMA like it's a national gallery for modern arts but there is like I don't know I don't know if there is any relevance of that. Like the MoMA in New York like it 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 like when she talks about like in the talk, like when she talks about the curation and how they're like the forefront of conversations, we don't have that. Like NGMA doesn't do that. NGMA in ba- NGMA is in Bangalore, it's in Delhi. They they're literally the like the most popular modern arts museum in India, but they don't even have a relevance to our lives. Like we are basically in the art world, and I don't know what they're exhibiting there. Like I yeah, but I, I think I, I would like bothered. to ask the question. What does a museum, like quote-unquote museum, mean in the Indian context at all? Because yeah, exactly. what sect of the population is actually even going to the museum? And I, that's like that's probably why it, they don't invest in it as much because they're not earning from it as much either. Yeah, exactly. I think like the lines blurred between, even in our discussion and throughout how the spaces are experienced, the lines blurred between an art gallery and a museum. Whereas they are actually different, different entities and the purposes they serve are different. Like, no, I think I would, I would call no, an art gallery what? a subset of a museum. No, an art gallery is basically where you can hire the space to put out your art. But yeah, a and museum that, is a curated a, thing. Yeah, but it's not, essentially a museum is something of a bygone era. no. That's absolutely wrong. Have you not, like, how can you even say that the moment has nothing of the bygone era? The moment is the, like, it basically puts new artwork. It looks at new artists. That's why they're collecting the entire COVID pandemic. Even the Gaganam and Bilam, it's modern arts museum. It's not a, the, the thing that you think that it's a bygone thing. That's because in India, it's all bygone. No, if you just I look guess. at the, um, the definition of museum and the etymology of the word, it has no way got relation to history at all. It's just a collection of artifacts or, that are culturally relevant in a place. So it could yeah. be art. It, a gallery also can it's be considered a, space a form for of the museum. Era. I think in a lot of ways in India, it is like when, when you Google like top 10 museums in India, there are all these museums on history. And there's literally no, not like any, like none of these modern museums come into the picture at all. They're quite irrelevant in our culture. But yeah, maybe I that's guess their it's curation. the conditioning that, like, it's the conditioning that makes you feel like a museum is maybe something of the past, I guess. Yeah, because like in many ways, our museum structures in India are also still in the 19th century. Because, like we said, they still have the classical architecture. They still have these colonial buildings yeah, yeah. or these Gothic buildings. Like the very few of them actually have like even like. NGMA in Bangalore is in, an, in like in an old colonial house. It's a colonial mansion. Yeah, yeah, so if probably that's probably why they're still in the past. <laughs> yeah, like coming back to like how like when we're talking about public spaces and museums in especially in Bangalore, I feel like the Chitrakala Parishad does a lot. Like it, it does a better job of keeping uh, that discourse alive. And like they're committed to what they do and they have a small gallery that they let out to local artists 
like i mean i'm unsure of how how expensive they are but then they generally have a uh, like a floating uh, crowd of people who exhibit but don't you uh, think that... chitrasanthe also has like i mean if chitrasanthe when if you're talking about chitrasanthe it has a very like this particular style of no i was not talking about chitrasanthe like in on an on an everyday basis inside uh, the chitrakala parishad building if you go in they have a small gallery like it's a very small gallery and they like every week they'll have something new like photography or paintings or like it depends on the artist and what they choose to exhibit apart from that they keep having those flea market where they're committed to the revival of local artisans like like that's why i feel like you see that theme because these are local artists who are tied up with chitrakala parishad and every time they have a flea they get invited to it no so there is this actually this place called kalakshetra in chennai yeah so it's, it was near our office and so this one like so i remember on one day in office we were having this conversation how of how like these people were like they didn't have these flea markets that often at uh, kalakshetra so what they said was like they used to have it like once a year or twice a year but then like recently it was literally like almost every month so like when the flea market used to happen before they used to be excited to go to it because like it happens only once a year but now it started happening every once a month so this one guy actually went and asked them like you know why is it happening so often and so what they basically said is that like chitrakala i think even chitrakala parishad and kalashita would be like something that's very similar so i think they used to get funded by the government so they didn't have to commercialize and have a flea market so they could but now kalakalashita is basically a dance school so they had to have the, they have to have monthly flea market so they can collect the rent because they the funding completely stopped is what they said so like, no but chitrakala parishad is still entirely government there are government art uh, fine arts college Like you know, even Kalakshetra is government only. I think that's why they used to get funded, but the funding is reduced, is what they said. Yeah, no, but that way even the Biennale is like the Kochi Biennale is like I think it's a huge step forward in the Indian discourse of art. I think that's it's yeah, it's literally one it's of the best. It's a very progressive, very very progressive, yeah. and and it's a really immersive very experience because it. No, and it's it's not just like okay, you're in this museum for two three hours and you leave. Like you, if you're going there, you're making that two to three day travel to that to Fort Kochi, and you're you're taking that time to see these exhibits that are spread across the entire yeah, city. Yeah, especially I mean, because fort. it's not in one place. But then the structures in Kochi are all these old buildings. They're all these old mansions that, but they exhibit like the most modern works. Like it's literally the culturally most relevant works that are being displayed there. that's really cool like fort fort kochi as like a town itself is this old town yeah what i was trying to say is that in the especially in the kochi uh, biennale the experience is so much more heightened because you go all over the city like not only are you like it's such a well crafted thing that not only are you like uh, experiencing the art you experience the culture of the place you experience the uh, like you it becomes a tourist experience plus an art experience yeah like, and you automatically end up contributing to the economy whereas the the entry to the biennale is only 100 rupees but then just from the sure uh, fact no, that you're you helping local businesses your, yeah, you have to take uh, that two days off so then you end up spending on on accommodation however cheap but you end up spending on the accommodation of it no but then so this this time that i went to the this the recent one when i went there like so what i noticed like the 
local artists were actually weren't really happy about the entire binale because the binale does not include their art in any way so like there was this one graffiti artist who was literally my favorite in the entire binale so he basically went around binale and he mocks the binale in literally every empty wall he gets in the whole of fort kochi so he just goes and writes pretentious binale so and the thing is because this time kochi binale took the effort no the thing was kochi binale took the effort this time to put up posters everywhere saying nangul nangulude binale which basically in malayalam means art binale okay and and it's not doing that it does not have any art like it has hardly any arts from the like con- like from kerala or local like local context. artists so that's why he goes around writing pretentious binale wherever they put those posters which is so cool and so even like those even the first time we went there the graffiti was like really interesting you not just it was not just the the exhibit that was curated but also the entire space yeah uh so actually two museums that i went to quite recently one was I didn't go to this museum but then I visited the public realm of that museum. So <laughs> the 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 Nemo uh, Science Center in um Amsterdam is a really beautiful structure but then you can the roof is fully accessible. So it basically looks like a ship that's kind of sinking into and it's base it's uh located at the banks of um or at the port of Amsterdam and so it looks like as if the building is sinking into the water and that entire edge can be climbed up and you can access the full roof of the museum and that was one of the fir- like one of the few museums that i have been to the outsides at least where it wasn't like tourists who were sitting on top but it was just like local some guy had just come for a run and he used the steps for his like exercise to get on top nice. of the museum and basically the museum has like a uh, solar uh, like exercise things on top and stuff which power the museum below so whoever is using the museum above who designed it who's the architect uh, it's by renzo piano oh <laughs> yeah so our man and his pompidou center yeah exactly mm-hmm. so the museum but he has cool museums that means too pompidou center is also yeah it's cool. also a really good it's example of a public cool. space public space the entire half of the site is public yeah. space no Yeah, but I mean, that's, again, cool that's also the outdoors means. only, no? Like, like on brand with the, all the other museums. Yeah, outdoors, but then literally, the like the half of the site is like, like you said, yeah, the yeah, roof yeah. here is like yeah. people are using it. Normal people, not just tourists. Yeah, but, but like yeah, in yeah. the Louvre, it's a lot more tourists. But that's just because of the hype of the Louvre as well. The nature of the yeah, Louvre, yeah. exactly. Um, no, that's also with like in general how people of Paris have this aversion to all these tourists. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, the, like, like literally, I've read so many books on. Like, remember I sent you that uh, article by Roland Barthes about the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. So he, the first sentence is this: "This is my favorite place in Paris because it's the only place where you can't see the Eiffel Tower." Yeah, exactly. No, they, <laughs> I mean, like true Parisians like have so many issues with everything that happened in Paris. Like, or if you talk about true, uh, like. people who live in barcelona hate everything that's happening with the barcelona now with sagrada and everything else so yeah. i mean like they become kind of sick of tourists after some time that their whole city is just being capitalized for something and it everything becomes more expensive for them as well like for locals yeah no what i was talking about is like i feel like in the european context still there's that dearth of public space is not as prevalent as it would be in india of course like, yeah so for them if a museum is not allotting that much space for a for it to behave as a public space it's not costing them much but here when you, like if you're if you would assume that the coliseum would be located in some in an indian city then that much 
uh, volume of not volume that much area of space goes waste in in uh, when you think about the urban realm in that city because that much goes unusable especially considering how much density is there otherwise and if especially in that if that much area there is no public space there's no uh, accessibility without without only for the purpose of a museum then that like it costs a lot more in the indian context and it's probably why we don't have as many um large museums either because maybe that's just not the need of the hour in our country right now i, I mean, mean it was not a really a conscious thing i feel like it's just no i think it's it's largely to to do like back with money it's to do with economics yeah like a museum like the reason that india doesn't have the museum boom is because we don't have the ma- like there's no point for a guggenheim to set up like a guggenheim bangalore like yeah exactly they're going to be in loss yeah. that's exactly why we don't have the museums yeah, yeah because that's why we don't have, have museum much... culture in india like. uh so this was us like trying to uh have a discussion on what the t- what museums as a typology would be like so if you feel like you would like to add something to what we said or would like to give your opinions and feedback um about this or any other previous episode feel free to email us uh, on our email id the sortams.pod@gmail.com uh, follow us on our instagram at the.sortam thank you all for whoever has like emailed us with your opinions it's been really fun to listen to listen and like, not to read all your emails uh thank you to everyone who's like taken the time out to give us like really insightful feedback like we continue to grow and like adopt the uh, feedback that you give us and the critique you give us so like we would appreciate if a lot more of you could do that because it really helps us grow yeah and i think like the i feel happy because knowing that the point of this podcast was to extend the conversation beyond the three of us and the fact that even one other person is like mailing us with their opinions feels like amazing so For our next episode we are going to be discussing the book Citizens of No Place an architectural graphic novel uh, written and illustrated by Jimenez Lay. You don't necessarily have to have read the book to enjoy that episode but if you would like to have like a heads up and know everything that we're talking about then feel free to check it out. Uh thank you for listening to episode 4. You shall hear from us soon. Bye. 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 Dogs are barking. Ruana ka you record again alone. <laughs>